Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 165 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Jeff Mock on organizing kinky events. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Well, you're a sick dude, man. I am a sick dude. But we've known that for a long time. Well, I'm a pervert, too, but I'm proud of it. Yeah, but you're actually coming back from under the weather. The weather was way over me, and now my household's getting it. I hear my girl Kate is coming down with it. Take one down and pass it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, 99 balls of beer on the wall. Yeah, well, we got enough uh, viri between us, between our extended families. It's always fun. Well, Woody, we do have a guest with us tonight. We do. Yes, we have Jeff Mock coming at us from the Garden State. Ooh. Hi, Jeff. Hey, that is actually Mac because someone at Ellis Island had a terrible sense of humor 100 years ago. Nobody knows this. Should be Mock or Mach or something, but it's Mac. Don't ask me why. Jeff Mac. All, All right. right. Welcome, Jeff Mac. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm pleased as punch to be here and very happy I'm not actually in the same room as both you guys because it sounds very clear that I'd get extremely sick if I were. You know, our minds have been sick for many years. Yeah, and we've infected many, and many joyfully. So. In- innocent bystanders. Well, they aren't so innocent anymore. No, they're not anymore. Yeah, Jeff, you've got many innocent bystanders around you, or they were innocent bystanders, I'm sure. You organize events. I certainly do. It is what I do. It is my full-time profession. Wow, full-time. What are some of the events that you have put together over the years now? Uh, Over the years or some of the ones I'm doing right now? Let's see. Let's just go with some of the ones I'm doing right now. Great. We just finished Glimmerdark, the Misfit Fairy Festival. We're going into Hypnosis in the Catskills. Whoops, sorry. Can't say hypnosis anymore, I guess. Oh, that's right. That's an illegal word. That's a, that's a banned word. Mesmerism in the Catskills. <laughs> there it is. Yep. We've got Dark Side of the Con in collaboration with Vampire Freaks, which is the only three-day gothic dark alternative festival in the entire United States. Then the Steampunk World's Fair, the world's largest steampunk event. Then Steampunk in the Catskills. Then Halloween in the Catskills. Then another week of Halloween in the Catskills. The Geeky Kink Event New England, also the Geeky Kink Event Classic. And I could go on, but those are just some of the big ones. Wow. So you don't do much, I guess, you know, you just sit around. I sit around all day and I, I just pretty much just watch Red and Stimpy on YouTube. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, that sounds like uh, I'm tired just listening to your list of events, man. How did you get into this? I'm assuming that this is some sort of karma for something terrible I did in a former life. <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> Event planning is something for very special people, I will tell you. And kinky event people is for some very, very special. Did the Dante reserve a level of hell for that? I think he did. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, how did you ever decide you were this much of a masochist? When I was in college, I got really interested, well, I've actually been interested in the Rocky Horror Picture Show since I was a wee lad for 
least 30 years now. But when I was in college, I created a Rocky Horror Picture Show club. And due to some inter-office politics with a bunch of, well, people who are no longer at Rutgers at all, but at the time they felt they were very powerful and very important, we couldn't show the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So we had this room full of what you would have in the 90s if you get a bunch of Rocky Horror people. This is before the internet let us segment into neat little portions where everyone could be with people who were of the exact same taste. So we had punks and goths, kinky people and geeks, theater people, an LGBTQ contingent that wasn't necessarily part of the other groups, and all kinds of stuff in between. And all of us were sort of in a room saying, well, we all love Rocky Horror. That's what brings us together. What the hell do we do now? So we started trying to think about what we could do, what we might do, what might be interesting if we were going to try to combine all of our interests but not show Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror, of course, formed kind of organically into something which just attracted this mass of weird people of all types. We had to kind of do that on purpose, and so we started throwing events. And when I finished college, not long into my corporate job, I said, you know, I really love doing marketing, but I don't really enjoy marketing things I don't believe in. I'd really like to do stuff from my tribe, other weird people. And so I started throwing these small events. And I did that for several years till one year. We finally found what we've been looking for, an event that connected with people. We went from our largest event at the time, which was 220 people, to 2,200 people within a year. We're not prepared. It was a crash course in running large events, and we've been running literally and metaphorically ever since. How many thousand people do you think have visited your events over the many years now? Over 50,000. Over 50,000. Wow. That is a lot of people. Oh, that is in the course of 20 years. I mean, we get about 10,000 through the door of our events every year. Uh, the vast majority of them, six to 7,000 of those, coming for the Steampunk World's Fair. Yeah, that is getting, well, getting, it's been a huge thing for a number of years now. But the Geeky Kink event is between 1,200 and 1,500 people, and that actually makes it one of the largest kink events on the East Coast, heck, one of the larger kink events in the country. And I don't say that to brag about it. I say that because, you know, when I was a kid, everyone was like, you're a nerd, you're a geek, you're never going to have a sex life. And now the sex slash kink event for nerds and geeks is one of the biggest there is. Life is full of ironies. It is. So there is a sex life for the geeks out there now. Hey, I've been doing it for years, man. I am looking around the studio. Three computers and five monitors over there. Uh, three monitors, four monitors over here. Yeah, I think, Woody, you qualify as a geek. And that's in Studio A. Yeah, that's in Studio A. Studio B's got a few, too. And downstairs and rest of the house. Studio D, yeah. Yeah. So, Jeff, you had this crash course in running large events. How did you ever get through that? How did we get through running events? The event that, that went tenfold in one year. How did you survive that with your sanity? We had a number of factors on our side. A factor against us was that we had a total staff of 11 people. And I will tell you, uh, when you've got a lot of people waiting to get in, and what you have for your door is two people on volunteers, two volunteers, not professionals, doing your registration as best they humanly can. That's That alone is is wacky when you have 
uh, your entire EMS slash security team is two people. Fortunately, not the same team. That's pretty wacky too. But we were in an expo center. And I literally made it through that event. It was fortunately the last time that event, oh, well, next last time, that we did a, a one-day big event as opposed to three days. But thank gods it was one day. I literally ran everywhere, every single part of that expo center. I ran everywhere you could possibly be, looked at everything, talked to everyone, checked out every single problem that anyone called me about, and so did the rest of our staff. And also, let's be honest, a lot of people decided to come together to have a good time and take care of each other, which is one of the things that happens. There have been entire events, still are entire events, based on the idea that People of like minds will come together, protect each other, and take care of each other without outside help or interference. I don't have that philosophy. I believe that is a thing that can happen, but I believe that you should have an infrastructure which is built to handle a worst-case scenario. But I will say our first big event out, we had an infrastructure that was built to handle as much as we thought we could handle, and we just ran through it. Wow. How do you take your coffee, Jeff? Personally, I take my coffee with as much milk and as much artificial sugar as humanly possible. If I can actually taste the coffee, then my coffee is probably made wrong. You must run on, on the stuff when it comes of event time. You know, actually at events, except for going to sleep, I try not to take any sorts of stimulants. I have a cup of coffee in the morning. Sometimes I'll have two, and I try not to take any depressants. It'll sometimes, if it's not a kink event, someone can convince me to have a quick sip if they've got something really nice or if I'll really offend them. But actually, I I find that it for the style of event running that we do, and understand there are people who run fantastic events and are not hands on at all. They sort of hang out and wait and see if anything happens, and that's a perfectly acceptable way of doing it. With our events, we pretty much believe that from the moment people enter the building to the moment when everybody leaves the building, with the exception of time for sleep, it's our job to try to keep an eye on everything and make sure that everyone is having the best time that we have. And to be honest, you can't actually do that on coffee. I don't mean to lecture or anything, but you cannot do that on stimulants. Stimulants will eventually make you crash. I mean, I imagine that someone who's really, really skilled at using stimulants might be able to do it better, but... I rely on eating protein every two hours, taking vitamins, stretching, meditation, short breaks, making sure you do keep eating. I get six to eight hours of sleep every single night and drink lots of water. And I think I mentioned the vitamin pills. Do those things and just do them continuously, do them religiously, and just don't stop. That's how we do it. And we, are you running a staff now or are these volunteer events or, or how do you man the, man the post? As our staffs, all manner of genders, a wide variety of genders and or lack thereof. We actually just went through another reorganization and it's been a challenging question. There are a lot of events which are primarily volunteer run. Our events are for-profit events and not every for-profit event necessarily needs to have a paid staff, and it's always a question of, well, how do we take what compensation we have, and how do we compensate people? Where is the line between a volunteer, a staff member, where is a volunteer, the line between a, a paid staff member and a full-time staff member? 
these are always things that we're trying to juggle because honestly, the event world is not necessarily well set up for that. I mean, even the biggest of events, even major Renaissance fairs or New York Comic Con run on tons and tons of volunteers who put in free labor. Those are enterprises which make literally millions of dollars. So our own small company, which makes less than half a million dollars a year, needs to figure out how to divide everything up. At the moment, we have four full-time staff members, including myself, three contractors we work with on a very regular basis, and a whole complicated series of incredible, wonderful individuals who we work with on a number of different bases. And um, it's actually quite hard. I, If you don't mind my getting personal on this... No, go ahead. To be honest, many years ago, I thought we'd do an experiment which goes like this. Nobody was making any money on the events. We decided when we started making money, we tried to split it up. And since I was putting the most time in, I'd probably get something like the most, but we'd try to give everyone a little something. And we found out that a happy, dedicated volunteer who has a clear job, does their job because they love it, might be much, much happier than someone who is suddenly getting $50. But for those $50, they have more clearly delineated work responsibilities or do more things they don't like. And we found that while, say, $200 a month, if I distribute it to myself, would make a major change in my own living, if I distribute that among five or ten people, it only insults and offends them. It makes them unhappy. And it kind of broke our compensation because we were sort of trying this experiment where we would divide money up among as many people as possible. And all we ended up doing was giving way too many people way too little money. It's, um, I'll tell you, it's one thing to avoid. It's actually one thing I would say if you're getting into doing events, have a clear idea of what's going to happen going in and have a clear understanding of if someone does a whole lot of work recognize that work and talk to them about how best to recognize it. Sometimes the best way to do that is to change the structure of your company and see if you can afford to hire more people. And sometimes maybe you want to look into ways of doing what you're doing that might involve less full-time work. Appreciate your volunteers is something you took away from that. Absolutely. Appreciate your volunteers. And we kind of experiment with the system where we would try to change the way people who worked on events got paid. And unfortunately, we found out that the people who've been doing events for decades and decades and decades were much smarter than we were. And the reason that they were doing it the way they were doing it was because it worked, not because they were mean or because they were greedy. It was a humbling lesson for us. And well, has being a volunteer and being an organizer both, I understand that it's important to value and appreciate your volunteers because there's not enough dollars out there to adequately compensate for them for what they are doing for the event. And whether it's an event or any volunteer-based organization, it's the same thing. There's not enough dollars out there to compensate them for their efforts if they didn't want to do the work. It's really true that these events are a labor of love. I mean, Proportionally, I don't think a lot of people who run events make much in the way of money. Well, you you have a Bentley in the driveway, right? <laughs> I drive a 2004 Chevy Malibu. Well, you but but there's the vacation home in the Caribbean, right? Uh, well, actually, when it comes to that, there could be a vacation home in the Caribbean. I don't know. I haven't taken a vacation <laughs> uh, since uh, 
since I got married five years ago. You um, have the house there. You just have never been there. <laughs> I might. I have to ask my husband. You know, maybe we have a house. I have to say, though, the marriage has been a tremendous success. Congratulations. Uh, we, we sold over 160 tickets to that event. Uh, the photographs were great. You are the concept marketer, aren't you? It is true that I have an oral contract with Coil Registration Services to sell tickets to my funeral. We haven't worked out the exact details yet, but I do plan to do that sometime in the next year or so. These have to be pre-sales, of course, right? Or have you worked out how to sell them after the fact? I mean, Coil is a very professional registration company. They will have no difficulty putting the tickets up online. I suppose there might be a question where the money goes. Jeff, what is your philosophy on events? I, I, I see that that uh, I've been tracking some of your events, and I see you're taking some feedback from attendees and getting some ideals of what's going on and what they're thinking and feeling. That That is kind of u- unique, I find, amongst event organizers who often work in a vacuum and only have a small group uh, that they input from. I will admit that I've never quite understood that philosophy. I'm not trying to criticize how other people do it because the way you do your event, if it works for you, God bless you. Um, would not criticize, but for me, I want as much possible data as I can get. I have to understand that our philosophy is that we are providing people with a home for the weekend, that we are taking people who don't necessarily feel like they have a home a lot of the rest of the time – who feel like they might not fit in the rest of the time. And we're trying to make a home for them. And while I talk all the time about selling tickets, and I do work hard on selling tickets, it's the ticket money that feeds me. It's the ticket money that feeds the team. It's the ticket money that keeps us going. The tickets themselves come from one thing, and that is that we want people to come out and have such an incredible time that they wouldn't even consider not coming back. They have to be like, you know what? I moved to another country and I ran out of money and someone chopped my head off. So I'm thinking about not coming this year. (laughs) Our goal is to try to show people a time that is so good it is life-changing. And I don't have the hubris to say, oh, everyone has a life-changing experience. But I'm saying that is the bottom line we shoot for. We never shoot for we'd like people to have a fun event. We always shoot for we'd like people to have a transformative event. We want people to get married because they met at our events. We want people to realize that, say, kink might be an integral part of their lifetime because they come to one of our events. We want people to take up steampunk as something that's a part of their daily lives because they go to our events. Or we just want people to say, wait a minute, it's totally great to be who and what I am because they've gone to one of our events. They've realized they've hit a space where it's okay to be that way. And once again, I'm not saying, hey, we're so good that this always happens. I'm saying I can't see us ever shooting for any less. I can't see us ever shooting for someone coming out and saying, hey, went to a Jeff Mack event over the weekend. It was fine. That would make me miserable. So you're looking for something besides fine. You are looking for your your attendees to have a great, awesome event. A transformative event, if possible. We're always looking, you know, Back in the 80s when Bruce Springsteen would give those concerts and he'd do a concert for four or five hours and at the end of the night the audience would be deliriously happy but completely exhausted. You know, that was kind of my baseline. I read about that as a kid and I'm like, that's exactly how you should do it. People should go home feeling exhausted, 
broken, unable to move, and wishing they could do it again tomorrow. And apparently this is working. What is your repeat attendees? Some of these events are, are, are growing, obviously. So you're saying about 90%? About 90% is standard right across the board for pretty much all of our events. You have a, a huge fan club out there. I guess the events do have a really big fan club out there. You know, they, they say that in order to make a living as an artist, you need 1,000 true fans, 1,000 fans who will always buy your latest record, who will always support your Patreon, who will always speak and talk up your latest project. They say that's what you need is core to survival, and we have that. We have the 1,000 true fans. I guess now that you make me look at it that way, yeah, we have several thousand people who will go back to Jeff Mack events every single year. You have sold me, and I'm going to be looking for a Jeff Mack event. What areas do you cover? A lot of what we do is based out of New Jersey. And in fact, the Geeky Kink event in New England was our first attempt to expand into a new market. And I do love that show. And I think in another year or two, we're going to start looking to do a, a Geeky Kink event west. People keep asking us to do things like a Steampunk World's Fair South or something. There's a lot of factors involved. I'll come back to that in a second. We also do a bunch of events in the Catskills with this wonderful resort called Blackthorn Resort. And that's in East Durham, New York. So that's many, many a mile up north. Outside of that, we pretty much stay in New Jersey. We've got these venues that we really love. And New Jersey has this tremendous population density. And it's right in the middle of these major highways. It's pretty easy for people to travel to. We've considered expanding geographically, but you know, part of what goes on is that there is an ecosystem of events. There have been a lot of events springing up in the past five, even 10 years. And when you take an event and move to a new area, you have the possibility of really disrupting whatever people are doing in that area. And if you can avoid doing that, that's a good thing. Like, there is so much going on in Maryland. I can't imagine that I could throw an event in Maryland and not mess with um, someone else's big weekend or someone else's big show. And there's only limited market share no matter what you're doing, no matter who you are. And I guess once we became sort of a mid-sized part of the event world, we've kind of hoped to try to be courteous with that when possible. And even then, it's hard to always do that. Like, for example, our little hypnosis event in April, our, our specifically small, intimate hypnosis event, Hypnosis in the Catskills over April Fool's Weekend, some folks feel that it's a little too close to um, the New England Erotic Hypnosis Unconference in time and space. And we hadn't even considered that. We thought it was too far away. That's one of the perils of moving an event around. I'm curious what they're going to change the name to. I have a suspicion that the hypnosis community is not going to try changing the name. I don't think that changing the name is going to be the answer yet, at least not in terms of fat life. I suspect that we're going to find a situation where the forces that were brought to bear on fat life may be brought to bear in a larger way. The forces that particularly credit card companies, the banks behind them, not to make myself an expert because i'm not you cannot in the end argue with a bank if the bank says we do not want a merchant services provider to provide to i'll take credit cards for this particular area cannot easily get around that and if 
what we're seeing is not an isolated incident with FetLife, but as I suspect, the beginning of something larger. Trying to change the name of what we do is not going to help us. No, it's going to be much, much more complicated. Well, Jeff, it sounds like you've got an exciting life, and I'm going to be looking for your events. I'm going to have to buy a plane ticket from Nashville, but I think it's going to be a worthwhile journey. Woody, will you be with me? I would. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on up in the Northeast, and and one of these events sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, we can bring our gear up. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for joining us today. Really happy that you guys had me on. I appreciate the chance to talk. And actually, I feel a little bad that I talked a lot about my own events. I thought I might get into talking a little bit about giving advice to people who want to put events out of their own. I didn't mean to be egotistical or anything. The fact is that people can contact you if they want to get specifics. Well, absolutely, and I'll be glad to do that. I just want to provide the maximum value for your listeners if I can. We will uh, put the links on our show page. That way they can uh, contact you and see what you're up to and all your different shows. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Gentlemen, thank you both. You have been listening to episode 165 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we chat with Jag about fire, power, passion, 